Welcome to The Quarantine Tapes, a daily podcast from Onassis, L.A. and Dublin. Hosted by Paul Holdengraber, this series chronicles shifting paradigms in the era of social distancing. Hello? Hello, could I please speak with Angel Bat Dawid? It is indeed, Angel. It's such a pleasure to hear your voice, and thank you so much for taking the time of being part of uh, these quarantine tapes. I'm, I'm so, thank very, you. I'm so very pleased you're part of it. Where, where do I find you during these these perplexing times? I'm in Chicago. And and what are you doing with your days? My days are filled with a lot of composing and recording also a lot of self-care taking care of myself slowing down you know if we're living in this time where we have to be isolated and not be around people well let's take advantage of that time and work on ourselves that's what i feel like this is the point of trying to make sense of all of this you know what has a slowing down which is a theme i want to tell you angel has come back again and again and again Mm -hmm. people are talking about slowness and about well, I, about what it has afforded them. Yes, I actually started the slowing down process about six months ago. I was on tour in Europe and, um, you know, all the fast pace of, of setting up shows, I realized that I actually had better results when I didn't put anxiety on any of my projects and I actually slowed down. And so I started intentionally slowing down a lot in my life about six months ago. I I was like, I'm not going to do anxiety in 2020. I also turned 40. I turned 40. I turned 40 in October. And I told myself, I'm not doing this decade with anxiety, with stress. I'm going to enjoy my life. I've worked so hard my entire life to be a full-time musician. And now I am one. There's no way that I'm going to be going around being stressed out and anxious about my dreams. So I already started the process of slowing down. And like I said, I'm like, I'm not doing anxiety anymore. And I was checking other people too. Like when people were getting on me, I was like, look, no, I'm not going to speed up and, and all that kind of stuff because I have better results when I slow down. So this is even slowing it down even more. I, yeah, I, I, I love I love the idea that when you said slowing down, you said slowing down. You said yeah. it even slower. Um, yeah. And you were talking about self-care. And I'm wondering yeah. what of that self-care you can share with us, what, what, you're, what you're doing differently now, even more so than six months ago. Even more so than six months ago, um, the slowing down, self-care things, like little things like... Um, I went to the body shop and I was like, when do you really scrub your back? When do you take the time to scrub your back? So I bought a, a back scrubber, little things like that. Just taking the time to, um, when I wash my face, do affirmations about my face and say, you know, I have a beautiful face made by the most high. 
you know, while I'm brushing my teeth, I bless my mouth. These are little things that you skip when you're running out the house, you know, making my bed every day because I deserve to, you know, like when you go to a hotel, but you like going to a hotel and the bed's made, don't I deserve that for myself every day? Doing the five Tibetan rights, you know, the five Tibetan rights are these five moves that um, this explorer found, um, you know, decades ago that these Tibetan monks were really, really strong, even though they were old. And he realized they were just doing these five moves. So doing those every day um, have been adding a lot of strength and vitality, you know, getting fruits and vegetables, you know, taking care of ourselves, especially, you know, because I've turned, I mean, this decade being 40, I was like, I'm going to do my life differently now. I'm not going to do all that running around because even though this is tragic that, you know, we have this horrible virus that's actually killing people and it's a very very sad time it also is a time where like i'll look outside and i'll see people taking a walk or you know families walking i didn't see that in my neighborhood you know families are getting together now because they have to and so um, i always try to look on the brighter side of things because we can sit here and rehash the issue yes it is horrible uh that people are suffering so much from this virus but what do we do with if we're not suffering and our family is safe and our friends are safe? Are we going to sit around and be pessimistic? Let's use this time wisely to improve our lives. You know, playing music. Like I've been composing quite a lot, composing and recording. And with the nature of how I do my music career, a lot of it, I've already been online and, you know, practicing at home and sending emails or sending recordings. You know, people hit me up for different projects. I can just do it from home anyway. So it actually benefits me. <laughs> in, in, yeah. a way, in a way, you've been preparing for quite some time. I mean, obviously, yeah. obviously not knowing what you were preparing yeah. for. I love that. Yeah. 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 I just now realizing yeah. that you're right. I've been preparing for this. I didn't even know. Well, you know, yeah. it, it's interesting that that last comment of yours because there's a a french writer i very much love pierre macorlan who said improvisation is something you prepare mm -hmm, it is. tell me tell improvisation me, tell me, tell me, tell yes tell me how that resonates with you it resonates with me because i'm able to improvise because of all the studying and uh practicing and discipline self-disciplines that I've had as a musician since I was a little girl. You know, um, when you, if you have all these tools, like knowing your skills and knowing the music theory and knowing how to compose and knowing how to record, all those things, I just self, most of them, like, various stuff I went to school for, music theory, but, like, recording and things were self-taught. And um, having those tools means I'm prepared for anything. I'm prepared because improvisation, and I like to use, okay, Gary Bart, <laughs> wonderful Gary Bart. Tell me. He, he has the best definition of the difference between improvisation and being a spontaneous composer. Improvisation is you had in your mind it was going to go somewhere, some way, like the way that you want it, but it didn't. And so then you have to make it work and then turn it into something else. That's improvisation. Being a spontaneous composer is I know exactly what chords and what things I'm going to in my head and I'm going to use those tools very intentionally um, during a performance or during a solo you know so it's not just oh we're just playing anything no it's actually very prepared and one of the the best definitions that I feel uh, of what the definition for luck is I've heard it several times on who made it up was that luck is preparation meets opportunity 
Picasso who said um, uh, um, uh, it, 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 um, inspiration should find you working. Exactly. Faith without works is dead. The Bible says that. Yeah. You know, if you don't, you're, it's like if you have faith in something, which is you believe in something, but you don't see it. You have no evidence of it. Um, you work, your, your, your work will manifest that thing, you, you know? So it's not just sitting around like, oh, I'm going to do this great thing. And you're just sitting around. No, because you have this thing inside of you, say, you work towards it and then you get results. You know, I always, um, in terms of improvisation, I, I love that quotation of Pierre Macorlan, improvisation is something you prepare. Of course, you prepare it to a point. But then Charlie Mingus, uh, for me, that that um, uh, sentence of his is really haunting. It's accompanied me for a very long time. He says, improvise, yes, but you have to improvise on something. Yes. And you, I heard that, yeah. I, I imagine that, 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 that must speak to you loud and clear. And you were saying that, that uh, during this quarantine time, you've been playing a lot of music and listening perhaps also to a lot of music. So you've been playing these days. Are you improvising with yourself, as it were? Yeah, I, I was, uh, it's interesting you say improvising because I thought of it not just musically, but just my life in general. Right. Things don't always go as planned. And then you have to improvise, you know, um, and I, I realized that it's something that I do with my entire life. So when it comes to music, it's just seamless and being becoming more of an improviser because my, my musical story is I, I was classically trained and for years and years and years, you know, I felt really stuck to written music and that really disturbed me because I'm like, how am I supposed to be a musician? I can't play unless there's music in front of me. So I learned how to read really well. Um, it was until I started going to free jazz jam sessions here in Chicago that it opened me up to the idea that, oh, wait, so I went to one, I went to a very, very popular one here, and I was very nervous because jazz is a whole nother, I was classical, you know, and they were like, get on stage and just play play anything. I was like, what, what do you mean play anything? <laughs> I was like, you're not going to give me no chords or nothing? They're like, just, just play. And I was like, you really can do that? They're like, yeah. And so uh, when you listen to like more you know, avant-garde jazz, like uh, Sun Ra or Albert Eyler and things like that, um, it opened up a lot for me because it, it, it allowed me to express myself more. And then I already had these, you know, classically trained and, and uh, theory background. So when I put them together, it exploded. And my musicianship just <clears throat> went through. Like I, now I can play anything. If I hear anything, I can play anything. And if I don't know it, I know I can figure it out and make something work. <laughs> How fantastic. Know? I heard you mention Sun Ra in, in a very mm -hmm. early conversation I had for the quarantine tapes. I spoke with Henry Rollins, who loved Sun Ra, and he said, oh, you know, yeah. the, the music is listening. Mm -hmm. Sun Ra is super important to my uh, music. Tell me. So, like, it's music. Um, I'd always, the first time I saw or heard about Sun Ra was from my dad, because he had spaces to play. And we had it on VHS, and I was like maybe about 13 or 14. And he put it on, and I never heard anything like, like that it. before. Yeah. It blew my mind. I was like, what? And then the movie and the visuals. And so I'd always knew about Sunrise. And I didn't fully understand more free jazz or avant garde music, but I knew I was really, really drawn to it. And so I always had it in my playlist and things like that. Um, about six years ago, I decided to make a leap of faith to be a musician full-time. And so I took a year off to just 
say yes to projects that I would say no to because I had a full-time job that I hated. And during that year, it was like this. It was like this self, like how I was like self-contained in my house. And I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I had, this was back in the day when they had like Pirate Bay. And I know it's wrong. <laughs> I used to download a lot of free music. And I saw this box. Uh, it was like a, it was like all of Sunrise Records on Pirate Bay. And so I was like, oh, so I downloaded it and I forgot about it. I forgot I downloaded it. And then a week later, I was like, what? I got every Sunrise record. And so what I did was I started, <laughs> I started to just play all the, like put it on, you know, random and play it in my house 24 7, even when I wasn't at home. You know, it was just like, I was, it was just all the music was just bombarding me and hitting me. And I would play my instrument to it. And, um, you know, he became like, you know, his message and the music was really like getting into my soul. And a lot of my friends were into it as well. And so they would come over to my house and we would jam together. And the jam session started getting so deep that we were like, yeah, we need to do an organization. We need to be like ACM, you know, Association for the Dancing Organization. So we loved them too. We were just like so absorbed in the uh, music that we started our own uh, organization called Participatory Music Coalition, and we started doing events around the city. No one was booking us. No one knew who we were. We were like, it doesn't matter about that. We just want to perform. From that, it turned into compositions amongst us, and from that, it just kept growing and growing, so all of us are all doing great, you know, this, this musical community we have here in Chicago, and a lot of that, I... I, I think about, you know, Sun Ron, how they have, like, the community, like, Marshall Allen, and then they still all live, yeah. live together, you know, in a house. It wasn't just right. entertainment. It was, like, their life. And so, um, yeah, he's very, very influential into my musicality. And when you talk about improv improvisation, um, I know that there's a song where they say, you make a mistake, you do something wrong, make another mistake, and do something right. <laughs> You know, you're going to make mistakes. Things are not going to go as planned. But if you have the necessary tools and wisdom, do the right thing. Do what is right. And you know what is right. Nobody has to tell you what is right or wrong. You know. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, he hearing you jam like that with yourself, I can't resist, Angel, asking you if you might play something for us. I would love to play something for you. And I'm. One thing about the way that I do music is I do believe that music is the healing force of the universe. There's a great album by Albert Eiler. I, I recommend that everybody get it. And um, I'm going to send this, this tone out to everyone who is affected by this uh, pandemic right now. Uh, that is wonderful. Can you say again what the name of the album is? I didn't quite catch it. Oh, yeah. It is Music is the Healing Force of the Universe. It's by Albert Eiler. It's on Impulse. It's a fantastic album. It's one of my favorite albums, actually. I have the LB. <laughs> How fantastic. We'll all get it. Yeah. I'm well, here it is. This I'm, li is. I'm listening. This is for the world. Carefully. Thank you for the world. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
He's like love. That is so tremendous. Thank you, Paul. Angel, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank mm -hmm. you. I want you to say something more about this intriguing notion about music as being a power that might heal and how you understand that. Well, we take for granted the power of sound. You know, there's all these legends and mythologies that say that the universe was created by sound. In fact, we say universe. First has to do with right. words and right. sound. Um, right. I believe that, you know, the pyramids and all these structures that we look at, some of them were, they use sound to move things. John Coltrane uh, was an advocate of this. You know, I've heard quotes where he said, if my friend is sick, I should be able to pull my instrument out and play over them in their field. Okay. If my friend is having financial problems, I should be able to pull my instrument out and that sound and that tone should change their, change things. And we see this. That's why music is, is so important to the world. Why are we always buying music? Why do you go into a store and they're playing music? Why are there all these billions of dollars spent on music? Because this is not my own statistic. I believe people make statistics up all the time. I'm not making this up, but we're 90% music. And I really do feel that if we're 90% music like water, then we should be doing music all the time. It shouldn't be just for entertainment. And I just believe that. You know, if people think I'm silly for it, I don't care. We believe all sorts of silly stuff. <laughs> you know, like we believe that the human body is weak. It's not weak. The human body is the strongest most resilient, adaptable thing that an organism in the world. You know, but if we continually think that we're weak and that we, we need someone else to tell us, you know, what what health is, you know, when you can talk to your body and tell you exactly what you need. You know, sound is the same way. Yeah, you, you know you, you've said that you, 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 you have a need to improvise your way out of suffering. Exactly, which is very important to black people. Right. Tell especially. me tell me tell me about that in particular. Yes, yeah, so um in the fall I had uh, I was commissioned to compose a piece and there's this great movie called The Cry of Jazz and in the movie um it's a it's kinda of, it's a weird it's a weird little documentary. It's integrated as it's made in the sixties, late fifties, and it's an integrated cast of black and white getting together talking about race and music and can white people play jazz or is it just for black people? And one of the main things we talked about is that jazz is joy, is the Negro's cry of joy and suffering of both. Oh, wow, wow. The music is what got us through. So when people play jazz and they don't acknowledge the history of jazz coming from people who were suffering and that this music wasn't just for entertainment. It was how we were surviving. And when you disregard that in the universities and they don't want to talk about the history of black music, and it's not just jazz, it's great black music, and how this music has helped us overcome, that's a travesty. And that's something that I'm, I'm really, really uh, an advocate for. So when I composed this piece, um, and he, and the, one of the main things about the movie is he says jazz is dead. Back in 1960, when it was like the greatest year of jazz, you know? Why would he say jazz is dead? And when I thought about it, I was like, well, jazz is dead. Why wasn't there a funeral? And because of my love of classical music, I always loved Mozart's Requiem. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a Requiem for jazz. 
and um, so I premiered the Requiem in last fall, and it was really um, deep because you know we went into the spirituals, which is where jazz, blues, um, hip hop, everything came from the spirituals, and because uh, my ancestors they. In, t- in their time of oppression, they would sneak out into the woods and have these services called hush harbors. And in those hush harbors is where the spirituals, spirituals wasn't just code for them to get to freedom land. And we know freedom land wasn't just a physical land. They were talking about something else. They was talking about a land whose cities ain't, whose foundations ain't here in this world. Because how else was he supposed to survive? And so music from that, you got these, these, these songs, the spirituals. And from those spirituals came all of the music that the black music that we all listen to today, hip hop, blues, R&B, all of it has its roots in the spiritual. So I've been doing a lot of research about that and how um, what the spirituals did. A lot of them are definitely in minor keys. And there's a great uh, drummer, jazz drummer by the name of Milford Gray. And he has a theory that um, the minor keys activate your sympathetic nervous system wow. and the sympathetic nervous system is connected to your tear ducts and the tear ducts releases the water and that water helps you get through that in tears they help you get through so when we sing the blues we sing jazz those are all technologies that my people use to get through such horrible things how do we get through that we use those ancient sounds you know, we use them and um, we still use them, you know. So this music is deeper than just entertainment or getting paid. No, back, this is how or, we've been or, surviving. Or background music. It's hot. Yeah. It's, it's on the foreground, not the background. Yeah, this is how we've been surviving. And I just want to continue that legacy um, that my people um, have and, and bringing an awareness to the world. Like We can only be aware if we slow down. You know, time to slow down so we can be aware that maybe we can use this sound. You know, let's continue to use our doctors and our hospitals and, and all the professionals. But, hey, let's, why not add, hey, let's do some humming together. You know, I've been advocating this because the jam session is so important. The jam session was how me and my friends have have gotten through so much together. We, we just call, we still call each other. What you doing? We can't do it now, but yeah, no, <laughs> like, I, what I you was, doing? I was wondering, I was wondering, <laughs> Angel, it, that must be really, really difficult for you now. Yeah, it really I, is. Because, you know, yeah. uh, you know, you and I now are having a wonderful, I think, conversation on on the phone. And the phone is, is I think, uh, an extraordinary instrument that I've always loved because one can mm-hmm. hear one can hear the grain of the voice. One can actually, I, I, I can nearly sense you, uh, even though we haven't met. I can, I get a sense of of your enthusiasm and your passion and your 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 your, your you know your your vocation. But as a musician, um, it is so important for you to jam with other musicians. And I, I constantly, when when reading all these wonderful liner notes of long playing records, which I tend to much prefer, you 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 read about all these, especially jazz musicians, really looking at each other, listening. You know, Ben Webster listening very carefully to when the drum section comes in, and vice mm-hmm. versa. And how how, yeah. how how do you manage now in these quarantine times? It must be hard. It is very hard. 
Um, but you know, there's a time and a, a, a season for everything. Beautiful. There's a time to jam together, and then there's a time to be separate and alone. And that's very hard for people, um, especially in our community. We have a real tight music community here in Chicago. We tight. We 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 had a practice of jamming together. You know, like monthly, daily is like let's get together and jam. And yeah, it is challenging because I miss physically miss my friends. And it's not the same doing these online oh, quarantine no. comps. It's just not really, the same. really, really not. It's just not. No, no. I mean, who who, who are <laughs> no. we deluding, believing that? I mean, yeah, you know, I I, I I always love this. There's this English psychoanalyst who says you can't tickle yourself. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You we just need, have to. Yeah. We, need, you, we, need, we need others. We need others. Badly. Yeah, we need others badly to 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 jam. I need you to have a conversation. Yeah, we're uh, relational. Yeah, you would think a relationship like we. We need to, to, and that was actually the isolation that this is forced isolation, but we've secretly been doing this for a while because, you know, we have these phones and people weren't looking at each other anyway. Right. You know, we would go to a restaurant, I would go to a restaurant and I would see no one talking to each other. They would all be on their phone right in front of each other. They would be and, talking. And I always, yeah, they would be talking to Mr. Or Apple. checking the internet. Yeah, you no, know, no, no, I know, like, I know, I know. And now we were already isolating ourselves and that I was already saying, I was already preaching this to several people. I was like, because we do live in this wonderful age of technology where we can do all this great stuff, we're going to have to be way more intentional about being human beings. Right. One thing that human beings need is they need to be in the same room with each other, breathing the same air, they need to and, be and fighting sometimes <laughs> fighting yeah. fight, fighting yeah. over you know and i know for instance <laughs> you you like bringing about sometimes uncomfortable uh, uncomfortable arguments into a conversation and i you know i'm, I'm yes. thinking particularly we have to I'm we think, have to get it all out in the I'm open because how else are we going to heal i'm th thinking you know I'm, how else I'm, are we going to heal I'm, think, I'm thinking if we don't let it all come out in the open you I'm, know I'm thinking particularly of this Nina Simone line where she says jazz is a white Hello? Uh, yeah, do you hear me? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, Nina Simone who said jazz is a white term to define black people. My music mm -hmm. is black classical music. Yes. Tell, yes. tell me, tell me. Yes. Um, Nina, you know, I, I try to, you know, stay with that legacy of what she was saying. She, all her music is protest music. Right. You know, people act like, you know, people want to put Nina Simone on, on some, you know, like it's some entertainment. It's not that. Her her moves was all about, y'all not about to do this to us. You know, y'all not about to sit here and trivialize this and put this in a little package to market it. No. I'm going to say whatever is on my mind and y'all are going to come to my conference and you're going to listen. You're going to listen and you're going to love it. <laughs> And you're going to feel uncomfortable because when you when you yeah. when you listen to Mississippi, goddamn, my goodness, come on, I mean, yeah, I mean it, it's powerful, and 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 you better listen mm -hmm. to the lyrics, and you better listen mm -hmm. to the anger, and you better feel yes. it, and you better do something about it. Yes, you better. I mean, I mean, look how powerful a force of her to just keeping that the integrity of that and fighting and protesting you know bob marley um one of my favorite bob marley songs is war he puts music to Howie Selassie 
uh, one of Holly Selassie's speech, and he says, until the philosophy which holds one race superior and another inferior is completely eradicated, it's all going to be war. And right now, it's still that. So for most of my music, it's protest music. It really is. The love is a protest, you know, like, and, you know, my album, The Oracle, is all protest songs. I didn't know it was, but it's all to challenge the world to say, hey, y'all, things still aren't right. It's not right. It's still not right in my community. Black people are still suffering. And the suffering that we have is still because of the historical aspect of what this country has done to black people for centuries. It's still not right. I can still listen to Nina Simone. And, and unfortunately, if she was still alive today, she would still be protesting. Things aren't right. So how do we get it right? I'm going to put it in your face. We're going to talk about it. And we're going to heal. And whatever emotions come up, we're going to tackle it and deal with it. This isn't to bring up trauma to stay traumatized. This is to bring up trauma so that we can heal this wound. Angel, I can't thank you enough. I, and thank I, you, Paul. I, I, I thank you so much. I wish you well in Chicago. I hope someday to hear you jam. My goodness. Thank you for playing for us. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for being part of the quarantine tapes. Continue to take good care of yourself and let us meet in better times. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Paul, for the interview. Thank you. I all, appreciate it. All the best to you. Stay well. All the best to you as well. Be well. Peace and love. Bye-bye. Bye. To support this show and Dublab's progressive programming, go to dublab.com slash support.